everyone, and welcome back to the ASCA Viewpoints Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dr. Alexandra E. Hughes, and welcome back to the show. This week's episode has been the, uh, or will be, the much anticipated, if you will, (laughs) recording from our 2021 annual conference. There were a lot of emails and DMs and messages and text messages that I received uh, regarding a particular interview that was one of the featured speakers uh, from the conference. And it was a particular session that was titled Uncomfortable Conversations, a Black Student Conduct Officer and Their White Supervisor. And it was with myself and Dr. Douglas Stoves. Um, a lot of people have been reaching out to hear the recording. And to be quite honest, I think that unfortunately the conversation itself is... <laughs> yet again, extremely timely. Uh, If you were at the conference, you heard this, and I believe it's actually on the Tavuti, ASCA Tavuti platform, the the video recording. However, if you weren't there or you don't have access, then I wanted to make sure that I could put it in an accessible space because uh, I think it's something that can be shown in how to have conversations. If I'm asking people to pause and reflect and being willing to engage in difficult conversations, this was one small attempt of modeling one of many, many ways of how to have these tough conversations with two people from different backgrounds, but have the same goal, the same mission, the same desire and the same outcome for life and for their students that they work with, Um, but how to have this conversation in, in an intimate way. I have to take a deep breath. Um, But before we get into that, there's something that needs to be addressed. As everyone knows, I am a strong, strong advocate of saying the things that need to be said and having these difficult conversations. And we need to address the fact that last week, six Asians, seven women and eight people overall lost their lives due to racism, xenophobia, misogyny, and hatred. Anti-Asian violence, discrimination, and other hateful acts have actually increased or reported 150% in 2020. And the statistic makes the events that took place last week in Atlanta which is my hometown, particularly disgusting. It's cruel. It's unnerving. Sadly, racist incidents and the oppression of Asian Pacific Islander and Desi American communities are nothing new. What is happening recently just represents additional examples of the racist history of the United States from the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II to insidious and pervasive stereotypes. The thing is, this escalation of ongoing violence and trauma to this community increased more than a year ago when politicians in this country wrongly blamed this community for COVID-19. And to be clear, 
the systemic and racism and misogyny towards the APIDA community has had a really long history, but it just reached a new level during this pandemic. Everyone knows that I'm a huge advocate of having uncomfortable conversations and difficult dialogues and all of that. And I know one of those things is, well, isn't having a conversation, hearing all sides of the story and being willing to engage and doing that. You're right. It is. But let me be clear this. There's no place for hatred in a conversation. A conversation is a process that is reciprocal in nature. It's where people are willing to listen intently, willing to have conversations where they are trying to seek to understand. There is no understanding in violence based on disinformation and racism. As leaders within the Association for Student Conduct Administration, we must and we will continue to fight for the equity and inclusion within our profession and in our own communities. And as educators, we all have a part in changing this world for the better to ensure that the next generation does not experience these experience these same injustices. We must and we will hold accountable the individuals who perpetrate these injustices. And we must and we will speak up against white supremacy, acts of bigotry and hatred in our communities and on our own individual distinct campuses. We have to challenge the leaders to continue to develop spaces for the work of equity and inclusion. Now, if you would like to speak further about what I've shared today or what I've said, or if you need resources or even need help with how to start having these conversations, like the one that you are about to hear today, please feel free to reach out. All of the contact information for me and for the podcast is in the show notes. And so with that, I will leave you with all of my love. Please continue to be safe. And I hope to connect with you on the interweb soon. Thank you. We're live. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good, Dr. Stoves. <laughs> yes, Dr. Well, Hughes. I know this is so fun. Okay, so let me go ahead and just introduce you for people because I think they need to understand like a little bit of your background and who you are. So I'm actually going to read um, just a small kind of excerpt from your bio because I want people to kind of know. So you are Dr. Douglas Stoves and you are Senior Associate Dean of Students at UTRGB. And so you've been here um, in this particular capacity since 2015. And prior to that, you served uh, the Rio Grande Valley community because that's where we are. 
at UTRGV for over 15 years through your roles um, at University of Texas Brownsville. You were the director of residential life. You were the dean of students. Um, you do lots of many things like right now. And I can attest to that from, I mean, you obviously oversee our office of the Office of Student Rights and Responsibilities, the university chess team, the student food pantry, a foster liaison, like you're you do lots of stuff. And I can speak to you doing lots of stuff because not only do you do lots of stuff, but you're my current supervisor. And I've been I with am. you for like five years now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how was that? That was like my 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 bio of you um, that I can that I kind of like remixed on the spot. Well, uh, but thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's uh um, I've really enjoyed uh, serving the folks down here, you know, being here in South Texas, um, working with the students here. Uh, uh, and, and it's been enjoyable the entire time. Uh, you know, every, 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 every job has its ups and downs, but more ups than downs. Mm -hmm. And certainly the last five years have been an interesting evolution of our, of, uh, uh, as we've worked through, you know, the changes in policy and things like that, it's been uh, certainly been interesting. I feel like the interesting part is because I've been here for five years. With you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's nice. a strong, uh, there's, there's a strong possibility. There's a correlation there. Strong possibility. There's a correlation. <laughs> Well, I think the other reason why I really wanted to talk to you and have this conversation, you know, the reality is this, we have about 30 minutes to chat um, and to talk. And one of the things that we're looking to do at ASCA is really bring forth these large conversations to a big, a big audience of people. Um, as everyone knows, I host our ASCA Viewpoints podcast. Um, now I feel like after the conference, people will probably be like, oh, I didn't even know. Like I, like, I hear her all over the place, right? But the reality is we have a lot of kind of hard conversations, um, even on the podcast itself. And there was a lot that happened last year um, when you want to talk about uncomfortable conversations that I think that we are trying to figure out essentially how to work through those. And so with that, you know, I think we're all aware the killing of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, a lot of issues came up last year just around like race and what does that mean and what does that look like and how do we navigate through that? And so for me, it was interesting when I was thinking about when I was asked to kind of bring this conversation forward, um, just to kind of get people thinking about it. It was interesting as I sat there and I thought about well, what would be a good conversation? How do we have it? How does that work? And I realized the best thing to do would really be to just show like an authentic relationship between you and I, because you are my supervisor. I am a black woman, in case people didn't know. Hi. <laughs> and you're a white man. Like, so this is, I mean, you can't get more, and I think like authentic or perfect than this, because this is the real thing. And so I am, you know, a black woman who is working on your staff, actually the only black woman. We are also at a Hispanic serving institution. And so even in our, like, I think division, um, I am the, I want to say like our area, I I'm the only one. Um, actually, if I sit there and think about it, um, in our, in our whole kind of like area. So part of it is like regionally where we're just located, but truthfully you got me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's really why I wanted to bring this conversation forward. When I had to figure out like who I would want to talk to, it was you because we have these conversations all of the time. And so that I thought was pretty, 
pretty amazing. So that's why you're here. <laughs> okay. So I have some questions for you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. So seeing as though I just said that I am the black woman, right? That's on your staff. What is it like to have the only black woman on your team in light of the things that happened last year from your perspective? Well, you know, um, uh, certainly, I mean, I think, I think going back to what you were, you know, how you opened the segment, I think it goes back to a genuineness of caring, you know? Um, and so that, that happens, you know, uh, uh, just as a natural part of the relationship that we've developed over time. Certainly, you know, I can say the relationship that we established from the very beginning. Um, and so um, uh, we know that as we evolve with time, certainly there's going to be some comfort that, that, uh, that happens there. And so um, uh, uh, I, I recognize that, that, um, there's things that are going on in the, in the world. And I depend on, on asking you some blunt and open questions because I, I, I care about what's happening. I, I, I can't approach the experience that you're having. Um, but I certainly want to understand what's the impact and how can I make a change? How can I make things better for you? Um, how can I, um, really examine, uh, uh, what's going on from from my perspective? Because I have to make it obtainable. And the last thing I want to do want to do is assume how it's impacting you, and assume this must be how you're feeling. Um, uh, I I I I know that I, we can have this conversation because you know have these conversations because we've established the norm that we can have these conversations, and I'm proud to say the conversations go both ways. You know, um, and so. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I have, I have you, uh, on my staff and that's, it's important to me to let you know how much you are valued, how much you, you are cared for and how much I want to make sure that you're okay, given what I can't understand. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's why, you know, uh, you know, that's why I think these conversations are, are so important and, and that, that they have to be genuine. There's no other way about it. It has to be a genuine question. So, so, so it is, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, having you as a black woman on staff is, is, is of, of, you know, obviously the work ethic you bring and everything else like that. I mean, that's, that's what I, that's what I, you know, uh, I, I, uh, and so it's, but it's, it's also just trying to help me understand and help me navigate some of those and then it mutually help you as you work through and navigate these things that are happening uh, and, and the impact they're having on you here. Yeah. Um, um, and so, um, uh, and, and also recognizing that, you know, uh, there's a certain sense of, you know, I, uh, of, isolation too, that I want to, you know, I, I, I want to, to make sure that we're, we're in, you know, engaged in those conversations so that you feel comfortable having those conversations right? and can express yourself. Cause the last thing we want is, you know, and that is for there not to be any outlet to have 
you know, have somebody to have a genuine conversation with. Right. I think part of it goes back to, and one of the things that I was thinking about, even when thinking about our dynamic is the fact, is the fact that I have been here for five years. Mm -hmm. And so I think back to the reality of, you know, five years ago to now, obviously, and I'm very fortunate to have, you know, obviously we have a good relationship and I know that not every supervisory relationship has that because there are a lot of dynamics. I think back to five years ago and I've, I've wondered, I said, you know, if everything that would have happened last year happened when I first got here, I don't necessarily think that I would have been um, as open or as just trusting with you because I didn't have that dynamic. And actually I can, you know what, let me take that back. The year that I got here was the year that Philando Castile died. Um, and so actually I can actually guarantee that now since I sit back, because I think that had ha happened relatively recent um, to me moving here, or maybe it was some months, it was somewhere around that time. I can't exactly remember. And it was, you weren't in the office that day or anything, but I remember uh, waking up that morning. I don't even know if I've told you this. Um, I remember waking up that morning. I remember it was this video of Philando Castile who um, was killed in his car by a police officer. And I remember uh, there was a little girl in the back seat and it was the girlfriend of him. And I remember all this happened in the car and she was telling her mom, she was like this little girl. And she was like, it's okay. Like he's going to be like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. Like the innocence of her. And I remember like bawling. And I remember my dad actually called me and I was just bawling. I remember driving to work bawling. I remember just like, Oh my goodness, where am I? What am I doing? Kind of all that that's going on. You weren't in, you weren't on campus. I remember you specifically were on campus. And I remember just kind of like getting through that day. Um, probably really closed off. I'm sure if people in the office think back to it, I don't even know if like, you know, my eyes are puffy and everything else, but I remember I was relatively new. So I actually can speak to that. Um, and it goes from that, you know, that's the honest, uh, just feeling I was, I was thinking about it. I said, I don't think I ever told you that, but to go from there and to have that happen. And then of course, I think the trust and building of our relationship, which has led me to like this past year, I was literally just on Zoom with you like we are now, like, look, I'm, I, I'm not here. I cannot do this. I don't have it within me. I just, I, I, I can't do it. And being able to have that open conversation with you, I know is because over the years we've had that. There have been times where there were some incidents that have happened um, that were, that had some racial components to it in which you very much so supported me and had my back. And that I think spoke wonders. And then the fact that you have allowed me to engage in these conversations and also do this work in our office, I think was just big, right? Um, it's something that I'm obviously passionate about and you've always given me the space to be able to do that. And then just like you said, the learning back and forth from one another, I think has been incredibly helpful. Right. And, and it would be a mistake to think that it's only a one-way street. You know what I mean? This is not just, you know, me giving you space, you also give me space. You know, um, I can think back of a few epiphanies that we've had over time where I was like, Alex, I need to talk to you about this. As we talked about, you know, uh, privilege and as we've talked about, you know, why, you know, uh, I can remember a very serious conversation that lasted hours that we were talking about. Why, why can't, uh, uh, white people talk about race, you know, because of, you know, and so there's some of that that is just, you know, 
So it, it's not a matter of just me me, you know, granting space. It's a more of it's the mutual fact that you're willing to work with me and my ignorance and coming to grips with with where I where I'm situated in the world to understand that this is this is a this is really more of a symbiosis than it is anything else like that. It's that it's that continually learning and perspective gaining and and uh, and as the as the world continues to evolve and awarenesses become more more present, you know, of really understanding, you know, where that is. So it's one of those that are really, it has to come from a mutual place and it has to be genuine because if it's not genuine, we're going to, you know, that's, and I've been witness to that too, uh, with you, <laughs> that, that moment where you, where it's like, wow, that, that, uh, uh, you know, we can really tell that this is just window dressing, you know, and, and it's, and so, so, you know, so again, I appreciate, I appreciate that because it's one of those things that I understand there's things I have to come to terms and grips with too, as, as we're engaged in this work to, to really gain perspective. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's a question because you brought up privilege and I think this is a good thing. What is it like to constantly hear um, from everyone on, you know, in the news, in the media since last year, this term, what is it like to constantly hear that you have white privilege? Well, you know, you know, I mean, when you hear words like privilege, when you hear words like white supremacy, right, you automatically go to this place uh-huh. of, you know, white hood, you know, all this other stuff like that. And, you know, and that's not me. That's right. not me. You know, and I can I can argue strenuously that that's not me. But then understanding what the perspective of that of, of, of what it means. And, you know, um, uh, just the fact that, uh, different sense of comfort when walking into a room, just that, you know, uh, not being concerned at all that I'm going to be judged, you know, based on the, on the color of my skin exclusively, you know what I mean? And what do I bring to the table? So, so, so some of those things that, you know, uh, and I'm citing the things, you know, just in, in recall of the questions that we or the conversations that we've had. Right. Um, so, I mean, um, uh, so part of it is understanding. So it puts me on the defensive. So then asking myself the question, well, why am I defensive about it? What what about it is it? You know, and it's this that whole idea of there's, you know, when we look at look at it from a sense of. Uh, just a simple dichotomy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That now, now it becomes, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, a good or bad conversation versus saying, okay, look, wh- where does this mean I'm situated in the world conversation? So that's, so that's, that's part of where I've appreciated your patience as we've been working through some of those issues on my, on my behalf, you becoming my therapist, you know, of, uh, but just, but just, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So, so, so so it's one of those things that, you know, it's, I understand it's part of the evolution, you know, part of my realization and coming to terms with, and, um, uh, really trying to, you know, anytime I run into a conflict or things like that, I automatically reflect on, you know, uh, 
what role did I play in this, in developing this, you know? And so, so part of that is, is, is coming to terms with that, you know, this is my role within that. And how do I then change that and change that trajectory so that, so that, uh, it, um, uh, I don't further, uh, that cause. And so, so it's, it, it's just, it's one of those things It can be difficult. Um, and, and, uh, it can, and, and, uh, I would be lying to say that it hasn't put me on my heels on, on more than one occasion, but then at the same time, it is having the discussions, having the conversation, coming to terms with it, asking you the question outright, you know, I mean, that, that, that's been one of the things that I understand that comes with, uh, with creating a trust, trusting relationship to that, that willingness to be vulnerable um, and, and uh, being okay with saying, you know, uh, I'm not understanding this or I'm not, you know, or this is my realization, you know, uh, and again, you know, I can think of some of the conversations that we've had where you're just like, there you go. You know, so it's one of those that that uh, um, and I under, I also understand I'm I'm not done yet. But then again, you know, understanding I do have privilege. So how do I leverage that uh, in, in furtherance of of uh, 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 examining this work? Yeah, it's interesting um, since we talked about that and this literally just came out, I believe it was Representative Phillips. Um, and so don't like no one <laughs> quote me wrong if I'm if quote, look, OK, before people get on me, but I'm pretty sure it was Representative Phillips and this was in Congress. Um, and he is a white man who basically came out and it's all over. This video went viral um, and he said that he did not truly understand the concept of privilege until the situation at the Capitol um, not too long ago. And basically what he said was um, and I think everyone should look this up if you haven't seen it. He uh, was in basically giving his you know, speech or whatever it was, um, I, I guess a couple of days ago, and made a comment about how when that whole situation happened, he, the first thing he thought was, everyone, let's just go over to the Republican chambers, because if we go over there, then everyone's going to assume that we're most likely senators or whatever on the Republican side. And so these people coming in um, won't come after us and we'll be safe. We'll just blend in. And he said it was in that moment that I recognized that for my colleagues of color, they could not just blend in, whereas I could go over and I would be safe because I am a white man. Right. And so he and he actually says that. He said, I never understood that until like that space or that moment when I realized that they could not blend in. And so now what do you do? And it's interesting. And he, and he actually talked about it kind of the same thing. He's like, it wasn't until that like, I, I understood it, but it wasn't until that moment. And again, this example of how, you know, you can choose a particular identity in a particular space, whereas, you know, some of his colleagues couldn't. And so I thought that was um, just really relevant and interesting when it comes to even what you just said. Okay. So you had a question for me um, that I know you wanted to ask me. And so I was like, all right, since I'm putting you on the spot, this is going to be a, a comfortable conversation. Let's do it. So right. ask me your question. Okay. So, so um, uh, as you know, our office receives a, a wide variety of, of complaints, concerns, uh, 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 violations of policy, things that we will routinely have to investigate and look into. Um, and we know one of the areas that will that will come up um, and ha has come up, will come up and continue to come up are, are, are cases dealing with race. Right. You know, and so 
So it's it's one of those that as I'm as I'm looking as we get these cases in, I have to figure out who gets what assignment and who gets who uh, who's going to be the primary investigator on a case and things of that sort. And so, um, uh, as a white supervisor, right? How do I ask you um, uh, to take on a case dealing with race? You know, without without it appearing to be an insult or a cast type of thing, kind of like the conversation we were just having earlier, you know, you know, that it makes it seem as though, you know, based exclusively on the fact that you're a black woman, that's why you must know about race. Right. No, I think that that's good. So I think there's a lot. Right. And of course, you know, we talk about we can't neither one of us can speak for everyone. You can't speak for all white people. I can't speak for all black people. And I think that's important. But what I do know and I think part of it, the fact that you even think about that, I think, is really the honest answer. The fact that you even question and say, look, how do I make sure that I'm not just giving this to you because you're black and this is about race and the fact that I am respecting you, I think honestly is the answer itself. The reality is I have a job to do. You've hired me as the assistant director of student rights and responsibilities. My job in that role, based off of all the cases that come in during a, that are a particular type, student conduct, um, you know, the, those types of cases, it is my responsibility as per my job description to meet with those students, adjudicate those cases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that's first part, like the honest answer. I, it's my job to do it. Now, the next part comes from, I think, what you said earlier was a place of genuine caring. Um, one, you also know that as a Black woman, I actually love doing this work. I talk to you about this, even when you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Everyone in my life gets to hear me talk about diversity and equity and inclusion and what that means and, you know, gender and this and just everything else. So one is the fact that I, I actually enjoy doing this. I talk about it. I speak about it. I teach about it. I present about it. So I think that's kind of where in one place in our relationship, it works out because it's something that I love and I'm passionate about doing. I do know, and I've talked about this before, just because somebody is black or of any uh, identity or marginalization doesn't mean that they have the capacity to teach about it and do it in the way that I do. And I think that's the first part to understand about that particular individual. Um, there are people who are like, I live this and I don't have, this is not my passion. This is not what I love talking about. This is not any of that. And I think it's important to just recognize that you just happen to get me and I'm like, oh, let's go. <laughs> like, let's, right. let's do this. So I think part of it is understanding my role. I think the next part of it is literally you doing what you just said. And as cases come in, one of the things that I appreciate about you is you will a lot of times, like, for example, if it's a complaint and you handle those, you're already on top of it. You handle the complaints and you're like, oh, yeah, like I did it. Like I didn't you didn't have to do it. If it's a student conduct case and it's coming to me, I appreciate the fact that you, the same way you talk to me about any case, you talk to me about those cases as well. And then you even checked in with me and asked me and genuinely just asked me, do you, 
do you want to do this? Are you okay with doing it? How does it impact you? Um, I think also one of the things that's helped with our relationship and I can speak to is the fact that like right after certain incidents have happened and we've gotten some pretty uh, egregious things that have come into our office, I've had the space and I'm very lucky and I know not everyone has this to literally get on Zoom with you like I am right now and say, so I cannot do this. It will not be a productive conversation with that student. You, You need to take it. I need you to give it to somebody else or give me time. Right. Like I just, I, I, it's, we're here to teach people and I'm really good at doing that. But like this conversation isn't going to be productive. And so I think that's really where it comes down to listening to the person on your team to say, to really assess if they can really handle it or if they can't, if it's only one of you in the office or two of you in the office, then it's harder. We have a team of amazing people and professionals that I'm very fortunate that we work with. And there's a lot of us. And so with that, that helps the fact that if there's something that I can't handle, someone else can handle it. And then if there's something they can't handle, I can handle it too. So I think to answer your question, it's the fact that you just think about it and you're willing to think about it and engage in it. That I think would go so much further. And so many instances of colleagues that I've talked to in the field who don't have, you know, a supervisor that's even willing to engage them in this uncomfortable conversation. Um, Because the reality is it's there. And we're watching to see how, you know, our supervisors respond. We're watching to see if you just act like it's any other day. You know what I mean? Um, And that really is, we are, whether we feel that we're comfortable enough saying it or not, we do. And our level of knowing kind of like um, what that looks like, our safety within an office is really based upon um, how we're watching like the people around us, you know, and I think that speaks to a lot of different marginalizations, privileges, identities, um, not just race, right, um, in situations like this. So that's my really long answer. But I think that that kind of, I mean, that kind of encompasses it when we're looking at it. Um, yeah. So how did that go? How did you did that answer your question? That, that- that does, and actually, it. Uh, um, uh, I I appreciate that from the standpoint. Again, you know, the, I know that uh, in our office we go through, uh, you know, and and part of it is recognizing that in order to really serve our students well, I have to make sure that the folks who are adjudicating those cases and investigating those cases are in a good place to do that. Because then, just like you mentioned, it it ends up not being a of any value to either side of that conversation mm-hmm. and, and, uh, um, and recognizing that even during, you, you might be okay at the outset, but as you're going through the case, there may be a change that causes that to happen. And, yeah. and so, um, so it really is about, you know, uh, optimizing it. You know, I wouldn't even say it's really protecting people. It's more from a, a standpoint of, of respecting the fact that there there's going to be those moments in time where you're just like, you know what, I can't carry this right now. And that's, and it's okay that you can't. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and just, you know, and just trying to, to, to check in and you do the same thing with, with our team as well. And, and understanding as you're directing those cases that come to your attention and things like that, of making sure it's going to, um, uh, uh, going to the staff member that is is 
has the capacity to deal with it at that, you know, and, and work with that other and work with those students at that particular time. Yeah. Um, Cause we know that this work is hard and, yeah. it, and it's, and it's, um, you know, uh, and, and we have to constantly monitor and make sure that, that um, we're supporting our staff in, in, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. It is. It's hard. Um, I think I have one last question for you. And you can okay. But I think I just want to like, I just want to ask it. So okay. how have you either improved or changed the way that you've showed up for me? Um, when there is more news every day of another, you know, whether it's a killing of a black person, whether it like how, like give some, I don't know, how have you done it for me? And then, cause I think that would give people some ideas. Right. Well, I think it's, well, uh, again, it has to come from a point of genuineness. It, it can't, it can't be something uh, that is just surface mounted, right? I actually have to care about you as a person and care about how, how you are doing and navigating what's in the news. Right. I also know that I have to, uh, I have a lot to learn and I'm, I'm also continuing to learn as well and trying to understand uh, perspective. Um, And so, um, uh, so it is actually, you know, uh, continuing to learn about it and continuing to learn what, what the impact is, mm-hmm. um, not just of the news, uh, but the fact that why is this, you know, I, I know I've asked myself, to, you know, several times, how can we in 2021 or how can we in 2020 still be doing the exact same thing, even though we know it's an issue, you know? So part of it is, is trying to change my perspective and change, change my view, understanding that there has been a, there that where I'm, grounded in my views of the world right and so part of it is just that is that evolution and and i think it is really uh having the genuine conversations with you having the the uh um the willingness to be equally vulnerable because you know i'd like to stand up and say oh i'm going to be strong for you and but i i'm trying to come to terms with it too so sometimes it's it's falling against each other to create the, you know, to create the, the, uh, the understanding and how do I need to, you know, when do I need to step in front? When do I need to stand behind? When do I need to stand shoulder to shoulder? It's really trying to understand that perspective to say, you know, this is a, this is, this is the moment in which I need to stand in front and take the hits and let you have the space to come to terms with what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the way I can fight to, to, and, and, and using my privilege and position to improve uh, uh, this particular viewpoint or this policy at the institution, you know, and when do I just say, you know, turn you loose. You know, it's one of those things that, that it really is. And and I depend a lot on, on what you say, where you say you are at that moment, because I understand that that is not a fixed place. Right. Um, and so, um, uh, I know several conversations that we've had in this past year where, where, um, uh, uh, finding myself wishing I could do more for you, but understanding that, that there's uh, where, where that, where that, uh, 
uh, you have to come to terms with what you come to terms with. And I can just be there to let you know that it's okay what's happening and what's going on and where can I then stand uh, that is going to be of support and, uh, and help to you um, and not, not preach at you, not, you know, in, you know, not force a view, not do any of that to say, okay, this is your time for, for you, for you to repair, rejuvenate, come to terms. And then you, you can tell me how I can best position myself to help you. Right. Oh, that was so good. Okay. Well, we only have like 30 minutes. So, you know, I, I think I want to say thank you more than anything. Thank you for having this conversation in a very public way. I know this was like a big thing, but I think it's important for people to see that this right here is a real thing that happens that we're all learning. None of us are perfect. We're all trying to figure this out. And we all have like, hopefully the intentions, right. Of making sure that we can create spaces in which these conversations and these uncomfortable conversations that are very important can happen and can occur. Um, so thank you for coming on here. Um, I don't know if you really had a choice because I was like, we have to do this. Um, oh, no. but I, do. I appreciate you very much um, because I want to give, I want to give space to that because even this conversation, I know for a lot of people, People probably would have been like, oh my God, like I'm not, I can't do this. And you did. And you never shy away from it. And so thank you. And I want to publicly thank you for that. Well, and, and I thank you for your, you know, your willingness to continue to engage and educate me. <laughs> and, 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 uh, um, but, you know, and I understand that the conversation equally is not easy. Um, um, and so I appreciate that. And, uh, uh, your willingness to be open to, uh, to hear me and to, you know, and be there for me as much as I am for you. Well, with that, we will end it here um, for sake of time and the conference. And now we have another session to get into. So with that, I will end it there. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, uh, can I give them their, your, your per, not your personal, your professional email um, <laughs> Absolutely. at our university? It's douglas.stoves at utrgv.edu. So if yeah. anyone was like, hey, I need to check in with you to see how it is that you were able to have this conversation with your black staff member. <laughs> I mean, you never know. So we're here to learn. I love it. Um, with that, we'll end it. And just thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Alexandra Hughes. That's me. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps others discover us and become more visible to our podcasting community. If you have suggestions for future guests or would like to be featured on the podcast yourself, feel free to reach out to us by email at ascapodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ASCA Podcast. If you'd like to connect with me on Twitter, you can find me at Alexandra's View. Talk to us. We talk back.